You're listening to the Light Forge Podcast, the key to unlocking your arena success with your co-hosts, ADWCTA and Murps. Welcome to the Light Forge Podcast. This is Adwita. This is Murps. Hello. Uh, let's talk mini set. That's what we're talking about today. We know the details news. from so the mini set. So much on the mini sets. Except all the cards. That we don't have all the information for. But we, we're, we're we know the mini set. We're close, but we're not there yet. So today's mm-hmm. a little bit awkward because typically at this time we would be rating all of the cards, but we don't have yeah. all of the cards, to my knowledge. We, we definitely don't have all the cards because the other uh, nine are going to be revealed tomorrow, <laughs> on Monday. And the set is going to come out. Full patch notes are going to be available on Tuesday, and the full set's going to come out on Wednesday. So uh, I don't know when we're going to find out what the rotation is. I assume there's going to be a rotation. I don't know if that's even been confirmed yet or not. Um, I don't... Well, we don't have any definitive answer as of this yeah. point, I believe. Um, I think we should expect a rotation, but no, it's not like anybody on, in Blizzard has stated, here are the sets that are rotating, yeah. or here are the sets that are not rotating, whatever yeah and i'm pretty sure they didn't even confirm 100 percent at least that there is a rotation happening right now so i don't really know what's going to happen but remember last week we were talking about maybe they do another balancing update well they're obviously not going to do a balancing update now because they're releasing a whole bunch of new cards uh so even if there is no rotation it's going to be a slightly adjusted meta um and if there is going to be a rotation it's going to be a huge difference either way uh, there's a bonus stream happening on Wednesday. Um, I don't know if Merp says time on Wednesday, but I'm going to at least be playing the arena, checking out. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, uh, it's all, it's all like very, I don't know when, was this announced? This was announced Friday. So this is all very recent news. We're being hit by it kind of hard and fast. Um, so, uh, We'll know. Uh, one thing we will do is that we will release our our normal pre-release kind of like tier list thing, uh, the ratings for the cards before the cards actually hit, uh, you know, go live. But we won't do another Light Forge going over all the cards or anything. Like this is it. And so you know, if a crazy Hunter card comes out, you'll just hear us bitch about it next week rather than uh, having a special time. But if you follow our Twitter. Um, uh, the the Adwita, uh Twitter and I'm sure Mercer will retweet it as well. I will be tweeting out the uh, our final tier list results before the before they they launch, um, and uh, it will also be on the same link that you guys use for all the previous ones that we released. So we're just going to add another tab to it once we're you know once all the cards are out, and uh, it will assuming they don't tell us the rotation, it won't really take into account the rotation. They'll just kind of be the general power levels of the cards. Um, but you'll hear some of them today. You'll hear the ones that matter today that are not Demon Hunter, Hunter, and Mage, because those are the cards we don't know. We know all the other cards, just not Demon Hunter, Hunter, and Mage. We'll talk about the ones that we think are impactful or good. Uh, I'll even talk about one that, uh, we rated not as good, but I think got a lot of discussion, uh, especially in our discord as well. I think people are very interested in it. I thought about it back and forth a lot. So here's the thing. Uh, this is one in which Adelton and I actually didn't really talk about. This is one in which, uh, he did the scores. I looked at it for like maybe just 15, 20 minutes beforehand. Uh, I thought they looked okay. I'll, I'll take a good look at them before... 
uh, we send them out, finalize them. Mm-hmm. This way you guys can do what you guys love to do best, which is overanalyze it and then laugh at us for getting everything wrong. Uh, I, Damn, I look forward to that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, don't don't take these as the final scores that we're talking about today because we have very little time to do them. They will be final before the expansion launches. It will be tweeted out. It will be available online on the Google spreadsheet. That will be our like last word on, on the pre-release scores. Yes. Uh, so if you were hoping for an extensively long Light Forge in which we talk about everything, uh, that won't be happening. It's just hard to, it's kind of useless to like go through everything when you don't have the complete picture. Also, we just never go as hard during the mini sets. So yeah, um, mini set is going to be coming out this week. Uh, we are very excited. I think any sort of shift in the meta is very welcome. But we're just going to be talking about a few cards today. Okay, so let's talk. Let's start with the neutrals. We always start with the neutrals, and we're going to talk about every single neutral card because they're all important because, well, one, they're all pretty good, actually, but also uh, they're neutral cards. Uh, the first one is Bubbler. Bubbler is a one-mana, two-four elemental. It's a neutral common, and uh, it says, after this minion takes exactly one damage, destroy it. So it alternatingly is a 1-mana 2-1 or a 1-mana 2-4, depending on if it ever takes exactly one damage. Yeah, and yes, there is a little bit of in-between there, but like not that much in-between, you know? You could be saying like, oh, it's like a 2-3, because what if it takes two damage and then one damage and then the extra? Yeah, sure. Um, Bubbler is just an interesting card. This is one that we actually talked about right before this. Uh, And... The the way I view Bubbler is like it's so meta dependent, right? Um, if you look at the, one of the metas that we just previously had, which was very Demon Hunter and Druid dominated, and especially there was a period of time in which it was Demon Hunter, right? Like we mm-hmm. had a period of time in which it was Druid at number one, but we also had a period of time in which it was Demon Hunter at number one. Um, that is not a good meta for Bubbler. Uh, and with how Blizzard balances and operates, it's tough. This one is going to be very, very meta-dependent. So it, it, you you just really have to see. Like, uh, it's it's hard for me to, like, sit here and be like, oh, yeah, confidently this is what you'll see out of Bubbler because it depends on what classes uh, Blizzard puts at the very top. But it can get some value. It could just be a complete dud, as in, you know, one mana 2-1 without any extra abilities, which, as we know, is but, but incredibly low score. average is going to be good. On average, like, on it's, average it's is going to be good. It's fine. Because you know what? There's still only four classes that pings. Three of those classes take two mana to ping. Your one mana 2-1 is not good, but you're still forcing a ping. And you're forcing a ping at basically the next turn, or at least before your, your opponent does anything. Because your opponent can't just, like, coin out a three drop or something, right? Like, that doesn't work. Then you're just dealing with a 2-4 now. You've just kind of given... Bub- you've just turned Bubbler into a 1-mana 2-4 if you coin out three, uh, uh, a 3-4 or a 2-4 or, like, a 2-3 or something. So you really limit your opponent's options, even if they are a mage, right? Or a druid or a rogue. And you're like, oh, you could just kill this thing. You've still limited their options. Like, it's... It, it's good even against those classes. Like, it's not just a 2-1 even against those classes. Um... It, it's only a 2-1 if they actually deal the one damage before this gets some kind of value by hitting something. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's uh, I, I like this card. Uh, we currently have it at a C+. 
And C plus is quite good. Like Yeti is uh, at the bottom of C or the top of D plus. Like that's where that's where like a Yeti is. A croc is between a D and a D plus. The so good thing is... about this card is that okay. So for example, there's cards with uh, a decent amount of upside, but if X condition is met, huge downside, right? Mm-hmm. The problem with those cards is that you don't want those to be big. Um, the bigger yes. they are, the worse those cards are. So this sort of effect, uh, the bubbler effect or any sort of effect in which it's like, hey, this is more powerful uh, for a decent amount of times. But if X condition is met, this is a trash card. You want that card to be as small as possible. Um, and so what you were supposed to get from a one mana card was not that much. And then what you are getting is many times on top of that meanwhile if you do something like this with like a five six seven mana card typically what you get isn't like a 12 mana card effect you're getting like a eight nine mana card effect um and then if like x condition is met like that bumps it down to like a two three mana card Mm. something like that that's typically the design that they'll use understandably so but here the percentage gained versus your total loss is more in your favor because you never expected as much from a one mana card and it shouldn't be as punishing when you quote low roll or lose to it uh, as it would be than if you put a similar gamble, like, you know, I'm screwed if you have it effect on a six or seven mana card. Yep, yep. Um, and these are gambles that, like, as a good player, you don't really want to take, but given that drafts are what they are, you only get three options, you sometimes have to take. Um, overall, and if you're wondering, like, in the span of, like, one, in, the, in the scale of one drops, what's a C plus, right? It's, it's about where a one three neutral not doing anything is. Like, it's a little tiny, not significant amount better than that, is what we rated overall. And in the meta, you'll see whether this is good or not by how high Demon Hunter is, right? If Demon Hunter is a top class, this is probably a tiny bit worse than a 1-3. If Demon Hunter is, like, a not-so-good class, this is probably better than a 1-3. But it's a one-drop. It's a one-drop that you will take uh, into your deck, and you will not be unhappy with it. So it's a good neutral addition, I think. Uh, I like it. It's one of those that, like, uh, it's definitely going to be annoying. You, The thing that I hate is introducing any sort of variance on turn one. Mm. <laughs> That's what I hate. It's not that much variance, though. Like, a one mana, like, we're in the era where a one mana 2-4 as just a card would not be, like, game. No, I get it, but I'm okay. Uh, look, I'm more so okay with, like, okay... Did you draft slash did you draw your 2-1 Worgen Infiltrator versus a 2-2, right? Like Battle Mage, for example. Um, I'm more okay with that. I'm less okay with something like this, just like I was less okay with Gadgets and Jouster when it was in the meta, in which mm, it was not yeah. a good card, but I was like, come on, I don't need this on turn one, right? Because right, right, right. the Jouster between a 1-2 <laughs> and a 2-3 was astronomical um so Mm -hmm. i'm not saying that this is like a problem card or anything i just don't like this much swing on turn one by you dropping it and having the conditions of the class slash what was what is in their hand really determine um uh, a huge swing on this is kind of like like now you bring up jouster 
it, it's kind of like a jouster. It's like a jouster where instead of RNG, it's determined by what's actually happening in the game. It's like a better design jouster, right? Like a better period jouster and also a better design jouster at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, all right. So moving on, the next card is a... The next neutral card is a rare card. It is a 3-mana three 3-3 three, three beast. It is a snapdragon. Snapdragon being a beast and not a dragon. Uh, it has a battle cry that says, Give all battle cry minions in your deck, plus one, plus one. Um, so, one, this is all battle cry minions in your deck. So these are these are not in your hand. They are in your deck only, which means you have to then draw them. And it is for the rest of the game, but in order to get there, you have to play a three mana three three first. Yeah, it's... Look, we rated this like a C... It's probably a really low C. It's I, a I low I have C. To, I have to redo... I'm going to redo it and see if it's actually a D+. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I was like, if you want to say it's like a D+, that's fine. Um, I think in my... Like, C is kind of a decent-sized range, but I think in my math I included the hand. Now that I'm thinking back to how I did it. Oh, I mean, like, I, 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 yeah. I was fine for it being a Because, like, you do make up for it. Like, with the amount of Battlecry stuff in the game right now... You do make up for it. Now, do you care that you're playing a 3-mana three 3-3? Three, three? It's not great. So it's definitely not a good card. Remember, um, a C means it is uh, one of the, like, not worst, but, like, it's not a good card in your it's deck. It's a below-average card, below card, card, card in your yeah. deck. So that's what it would be. And I think most people are, like, uh, when they hear that assessment, uh, assessment yeah. they're like, but, that's But fair. a C is, like, you would take this over a Yeti, and, and like, assuming that you don't have blatant curve problems uh, at the, that point in your draft. And I don't think that's true. I no, think I don't think a Yeti over this. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, so it's probably a D plus. Is kind of just kind of what I'm saying. Maybe it's still a C. I don't know. Maybe we're we're a little too harsh on it, and the um, the persistent effect of a lot more stats later on over the course of the game. It is a more. good amount. Yeah, but, it's a yeah, good amount. You have a lot of battle cry cards. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, but anyway, this is kind of a less interesting card, um, I think, uh, but not not a problematic card by any stretch of the imagination. Um, Finally, uh, the third non-legendary neutral cards. There's only three cards, by the way, uh, in neutral that are being added. Uh, there's five cards, but the other two are legendaries, and we're going to talk about them after this. Um, so this one is the most interesting card. It is a rare, so you're going to see it about as often as Mothership. Uh, it's a four mana, five, four beast. Battle cry. Look at three cards in your opponent's hand and choose one. It can't be played the next turn. So, not only do you see three cards in your opponent's hand, which is like almost all the cards in your opponent's hand usually, um, but you get to pick one and block it from being played the next turn. And it's otherwise like a normal four drop. That's a pretty powerful effect. Just the scouting potential is huge. Like, there's a lot of big cards now in which you're unsure whether or not they have it and you kind of, you know, your play style differs like vastly if you know that they have uh that card so just that is very helpful but then let's say you get that information and then you also going into let's say turn five um you see a five drop there you mm -hmm. block that wow uh that is great because you have done two things you have potentially blocked their turn such that um uh they have to play something else 
And you really took that five drop out of the game. I'm not saying they can't use it again, but what, on turn six, are they playing that five drop? If they do, well, that's and like, you know, not as much tempo as they should have gotten. Um, are they going to play that later on? Well, that's a card that's been sitting in their hand for like maybe four or five turns then. So you've really yeah. uh, lessened its value. Really powerful effect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, you can use it to as as kind of insurance policy before you drop a big thing, or as you're about to overextend onto the board. Um, but yeah, blocking the next drop, whether it's a four or a five, that's going to be the main use for for this. Uh, also, end of game situations uh, where you just get to see what the two cards they're holding are, and then you know your entire game plan. Like it's actually super powerful. Um, it's just that it's kind of it's soft power. So a normal 5-4 would be a D plus, and this is a B. So this ability, even though it doesn't like do anything specifically, it's it's getting a lot of value because it is just that freaking good. Um, all right, cool. Uh, so uh, let's move on to the legendaries. So uh, the, there are two neutral legendaries that are coming with this set. And uh, people have problems with both of them. I'm just going to put it out there right now. They're both Colossus. No one likes them. Uh, Matt London has like almost preemptively lowered the offering rate of at least one of them, if not both of them. Uh, at least on, on Twitter. He's like, yeah, we're, we're, this is probably going to happen. Um, so just prepping you for it. Let's talk about the first one. The first one is... Oz and you know, I'll just tell you the rating of them both. Both of these are rated S. One of them is rated like a mid S, one of them is rated like an almost S plus, but they're not actually S pluses, and they're certainly not the like super X plus 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 ones that the class uh, Colossus ones are. Um, for comparison, Onyxia was a legit X plus, uh, S plus by our tier list ratings, and then a bunch of the other really powerful uh, legendary uh, neutral cards were rated S. So this is not without precedent. I don't want people to to like look at this and be like, oh my god, like there's so many people out there right now, they're like, oh my god, it's another raid boss of Nixia. Close, but not quite. It's more like, oh my god, it's another Ivis or Ysera, which is not that much better than uh, for the game than a raid boss of Nixia, but just not, not the exact same power level. So the first one, this is the mid-S tier rating one, is a Azumat, 8 mana, 6, 5 beast, colossal plus 6, that means it adds up to 6, 1, 3 minions onto the board. Uh, it has a death rattle that says, for each of Azumat's tentacles, destroy a random enemy minion. So there's all these one threes that's going to come on in addition to your 6-5. And at whatever point your 6-5 dies, it starts clearing random stuff off your opponent's board for each one three that's still living. So you can either clear all the one threes or make sure you have nothing really of any value on your side of the board when you clear the 6-5. And regardless, they still have a crap ton of stats, even though most of it is in the form of one threes, which are not super valuable at that stage in the game. But let's still, stats are stats. Yeah, uh, with these cards, I mean, you got to be used to Colossal Minions by now. Um, I think you just had to expect them to print more. It kind of sucks that these are neutrals, but they are not power creeping on Colossal Minions. These are mm -hmm. four Colossal Minions fair, or they're fine. Um, they're not fine when you compare it to the cards that you probably want to see in the meta, but otherwise, yeah, both of these cards are fine. Yeah, 
Um, so yeah, so that was that was Azumat, the the less problematic of the two cards. Now the more problematic of the two cards is Neptulon, the Tide Hunter, um, and this is one that people have a real problem with and are like, ah, oh, is this better or worse than uh, a Raid Boss Anexia? It, it's worse. Um, this is ten mana seven seven elemental colossal plus two. The two things that they're adding are four twos, and they are called hands. And those four twos have this text that says they are immune while attacking. They don't have rush by themselves. But Neftalon the Tide Hunter has rush and wind fury and the ability that says whenever Neptalon attacks, if you control any hands, they attack instead. So you get two attacks from each of the hands, and you get two targets altogether. So you're trying to deal eight damage to two separate targets. And then your opponent better be able to deal two damage twice, or it better be able to kill off the 7-7, seven, seven, or else you're going to get more pain uh, yeah. coming in. So, look, you obviously get less attack uh then raid boss anixia you get a lot less flexibility right um, a lot less attack a lot less flexibility but it's still really really powerful it'll still swing the game and we really shouldn't be using raid boss anixia as any sort of benchmark for anything mm -hmm. it's like you as an actor you know you'll be like ah damn i did worse than daniel day lewis crap <laughs> just a little worse Shit. Another day, another day of me not being Daniel Day Lewis. Uh, another day of being nominated and losing out to Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, so we can't really do that. Um, it's still good, and it's going to be really annoying. It's going to be really annoying, uh, and it's going to end games. Another car that we, I think, as a community, just don't love to see. Mm-hmm. Like, the point of S-tier cards is that none of them should ever exist. Like, I don't care, at least not in neutral. Even in classes, they probably shouldn't exist. But in neutrals, no S-cards should exist. That's always been, without, like, an asterisk, our, our position. That's why we drew the line at S. Because at S, it's just game-winning. Like, what happens the rest of the game almost doesn't matter. The only time that what happens the rest of the game matters is if you don't get to play this card. Because you're already dead. Like, that's why Ysera has some problems, right? That's why Raid Boss Anixia has an S+, plus and not like an XXS+. Plus. It's because, well, you know, you need to get to turn 10 in order for these cards to really do their thing. And uh, you lose a bunch of games before turn 10, or you win a bunch of games before turn 10. So, meh. Uh, here, it's it's kind of the same, right? It's another 10 mana card. Um, it's another card that, when it gets played, I don't care if it's a tiny bit less powerful than Raid Boss Anexia, you're going to win the game if you play the card. Your opponent's going to win the game if they play the card. Um, but they have to get to turn 10. That's that's a thing. Uh, and, and if you're wondering why this card uh, is a little worse than Raid Boss Anexia, and you're like, how does the math work out? I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but if you just kind of uh, uh, look at the amount of damage that is being done, you Ray Boss Adixia can target any amount of targets when it comes out, and it deals uh, about the same amount of damage. Neptalon can only target two things. That's actually a very big deal. And then for Ray Boss Adixia to get wiped off the board, basically, it requires um, about the same amount to make it like not be ridiculous. 
Uh, so it's it's kind of like, yes, if, if any of these things survive a turn, you're dead anyway. It kind of doesn't matter which one is more powerful, if this one has a Wind Fury or like whatever. Uh, the, the, the big part is the initial impact. There are boards, quite a lot of boards actually, where a Neptalon is not going to end the game. You're going to play the Neptalon, you're going to clear two things, and your opponent has three things, and then they kill you. Whereas Raid Boss and Ixia would have cleared all three things. And then you would have been alive, like alive and win the game after that. Like that is that is a huge part of a ten mana card that effectively wins the game when you play it. It's how frequently will it actually win the game? And uh, Neptalon just doesn't win the game as often as Raid Boss and Nixia. Yep. All right. That's uh, those are the neutral cards. Uh, we're not going to talk about every class card. Uh, there's a lot of class cards. There's very few of them that are total crap. They're almost all like at least D tier or D plus tier even, and therefore draftable. Uh, but uh, we are going to talk about everything that is B tier or above. We drew the line at B because B is generally the bottom of B is and the top of C plus is kind of where your average card is in in the deck. So, or sorry, your median card is in the deck. So these are all cards that are going to be better than your average pick. Um, just because, I don't know, there's no real point in talking about some of the worst cards. And uh, we didn't really want this uh, podcast to go on for two hours. Uh, but you'll, you'll be able to see all the ratings when we put them on, on our spreadsheet before the, the set comes out. Um, so yeah, so let's go with... Uh, Let's go with how do you want to do this? Let's go with the the most ridiculous one first. I just I just want to get this over with because we're just we're coming off of Neptalon, which is a ridiculous card. Let's talk about the other totally ridiculous card that is released. And uh, there are, there's three cards that are released for uh, for each of these classes. Uh, Shaman's no exception. Uh, two of them are below B. One of them is S tier. So we're gonna talk about the S tier card. It is a rare card. It is called Command of Neptulon. Five mana nature spell. Remember, five mana. Five. Overloads one. So you can think of it maybe as six mana, but it comes out on turn five potentially. Summon two, five, four elementals with rush. They even have a tag to them. They're elementals, you know, for, for synergies and everything. That, that is 10 damage of initiative, at least some of which is probably going to stay alive. Yep. Five mana. Overload one. So we have a power crept, unnerfed Faceless Corruptor. If you guys remember, Faceless Corruptor, uh, the current version is a 4-4. It was at first a 5-4, and you had to... Uh, and you had to, like... Have a thing Turn on the board. A minion, yeah, right. And the minion disappears. The minion it's not disappears. Like you just yeah. had to have another minion. You had to have another minion, which is hard enough. And then you lose that minion, so it can't even be a good minion. Yep. So that's where we're at right now. We have power crept one of the cars that had to get nerfed, and everybody complained about. And now shamans have an upgraded version of this. Uh, this is, I mean, this is like the definition of an S tier card like it is supremely powerful you kind of always want it if you're ahead this is fantastic if you're behind this is fantastic you get way too much you don't have to meet any conditions to use it boohoo you overload one um I think people are very happy paying six mana for this and then getting it out one turn early on turn five so 
I think with this card, it's interesting. So uh, let's bring another card in uh, that we initially rated high, but we actually don't kind of have to talk about because they actually banned it. Uh, and that card is Ink Veil Ambusher. Oh, okay. So we're moving on from this to Ink Well, Ambusher. I want to bring that in because okay. I want to talk about this, right? Okay. Um, because, yeah, I want to talk about them together, yeah. but right. really so more let's, so. Let, yeah, let's bring in Rogue then. So Rogue has two cards that we rated A tier. Not S tier, A tier. So A tier cards are generally okay to have for classes. And this is one of them, Inkvale uh, Ambusher. Yeah, so Inkvale Ambusher um, is a two-drop. Um, it is a... Naga also. I forgot I had a tag. Two mana one two stealth Naga. Uh and its ability is has plus three attack and immune while attacking. Wow. Blizzard sure loves this. Um now if you're out there thinking, wait, this is an insane card, uh we agree with you, and I think mostly everybody would agree with you. If this were to exist, uh we would have given it what? Um, what was the uh, the rating? The the rating is an A. Oh, okay. No, no, no. like it's yeah, yeah. The rating would the, have been the, the rating is not is not like an S tier or whatever card. Yeah, yeah. For the reason that it does not win you the game. No, it doesn't. And, like I mean, it can win you. It the could game, win you the game, but it doesn't. But like, like let's say you play it, even the best of circumstances on turn two, you play it. You haven't won the game. Yeah, you can overcome you, it. You can you, overcome you're, you're it. You're very far away um, from having won the game for playing this card. Now, the problem is uh, this sort of swing and this sort of like, do you have it question mm -hmm. to your opponent from turn two uh, feels real bad. It, it's really bad. So what happened today was Zeddy tweeted to Matt London, who once again is the head of the modes team. And asked Matt, hey, can we ban this? And Matt actually said, yeah, this has already been banned. And uh, the interesting information is that he told Zeddy um, that it didn't even, it wasn't even his decision. It was either banned by Chalky or Gallon before it ever made it to him. He was like, it was banned before I ever even found out what the card did. So props to either Gallon or Chalky. Congratulations. Um, and I think, first of all, this is incredibly important because this is the very first time we've had a class card preemptively banned uh, from the arena, right? Like, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, preemptively, guys, because I, I know some of you guys are like, oh, there's a... No, 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 no. Preemptively banned class card. Uh, and it just shows that whatever barrier was there, if any, that's been broken. And they are happy to break that. Um, and they don't want to just wait. I completely agree with it. Uh, and as we said, this is a card in which they didn't have to see it to realize how not just powerful it was, but how frustrating, how toxic mm -hmm. it could have been. And <clears throat> now let's bring it back to yeah Neptune like that's line. the focus on it like talk talk about Inkville ambush i want to talk about it for one second in that the rating is an a it is not an s this card is less good than at least 20 other cards in this meta like we're currently in that most of which no one's even thinking about banning this card does not have that worry this 
is like a Flappy Bird thing. I mean, this is more powerful than Flappy Bird. But it's that same idea where it is just extremely unfun to play with this card or away from this card. And this card can single-handedly win you the game on turn two quite often. Even though, if you look at how it affects win rates by putting it into a deck, it is going to fall behind so many other class cards. And if they had, like, internal data, or if they waited to release it and saw the actual, like, data when it came out, they'll have that same conclusion, but they banned it preemptively because of the the way this card was designed. It was designed in a way that is extremely unhealthy and unfun for Arena. And so it got banned preemptively. This is not a ban based purely on power level. Yes. And if you want to talk about... okay. Uh, do we want something like Command of Neptulon preemptively banned? I mean, yeah, yeah I, 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 I would not mind that at all. Um, but it's like between these two cards, the the Ambusher, you know, the Rogue 2 drop, or Command of Neptulon, for them to first ban Ambusher, is that correct? Or like, can I understand that decision making? I definitely can. Um, I definitely. I would definitely rather amb- like if there was two of them, and you're like, you only have one of these man in the arena. I would ban Ambusher, not Command of the Neptalon. Yeah. Even though they're both rare, and one is better than the other, I would ban the less bad card. I mean, the la- the less good card because it will just make so many games more frustrating. Um, yes, you want to give players a few more turns to at least prepare. To at least, mm-hmm. and look, they're still going to get mad. It's just like. People get really mad, and by people I mean some some streamers, get really mad when something like Scales of Anixia is played, and I understand, right? But, you know, it's mm. still like, alright, so it's turn 7, you've had some time, and I understand that's not enough for some people, but you do get maybe some fleeting moments of happiness and decision making before that thing comes down. When Ambusher comes down on turn 2, you scan your hand, yep. and you're just screwed by it, Wow, it just feels like the the game is over. Whether or not it is. It, it could very well be, because it is such a highly rated card. But uh, whether it is or isn't, uh, it's very tempting for you to feel incredibly bad. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, Rate of Anexia especially, like, it's an A-rated card. Scales. Sorry, Scales of Anexia. It's an A-rated card. Like, it is not actually that super ridiculously insanely good it just happened to be in the best class and it was a common and people got really annoyed at it like there are ridiculous board clears that's one of the better ridiculous board clears but that's all it is like you should not be like if you find yourself getting more mad at rate of anixia and less mad at say like caverns scales no caverns no scales of anixia Right, caverns and shaman. No, no, no. You said raid of Anixia. Okay, we have fine. to correct you on that. Fine. Uh, if you find yourself getting more mad at scales of Anixia than at caverns from shaman, then you need to readjust your feelings because you're wrong. Not in terms of which is more powerful, but in terms of which you should be more frustrated at. Even like you're not going to have a good time if you get more frustrated by uh by whatever of anixia than by a totally game winning card to this day i've still yet to win a game where my opponent's caverns on four and i did not caverns on four 
Um, it's been around for a while. I see it, you know. I mean, Shaman's not the best class either, but I've still never won <laughs> when that's happened. Uh, and, you know, I don't lose immediately. I don't lose in the next three or four turns. I just always lose because it's too much to overcome. And and Caverns was a... Was that an S-tier card? Was that an S-plus tier card? It was uh, it was a really highly rated card uh, either way, but... That's that's the the problem with uh, with a card like Caverns. It was an S tier card. It wasn't even S plus. So here's another one, right? Command of Neptalon. Here's another S tier card in Shaman. Uh, at least this one's rare, so you won't see it as often. But this is why I just I really don't like S tier cards. Like it doesn't matter if it's designed in like Caverns is probably the least <coughs> the least frustrating way to design an S tier card that does not purely involve like card draw, All right? And still, it's just too overpowered. It's just too overpowered. Like, that's what happens when you get into the S tier. Command of Neptalon is going to be uh, the same thing. It's not going to be as good as Caverns, but it's going to be re really close. And it's going to have initiative, too. So it's even a little more frustrating than, uh, than Caverns. Um, and, uh, and, and yet, even that, right? Like, the reason that people hate Caverns, but they, like, really, 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 really hate cards like Flappy Bird or like Gangplank or like whatever. Um, and uh, also, uh, what was that? Um, uh, Watchtower, right? Watchtower was also an S-tier card. It was a neutral and it was a common, um, but it was also an S-tier card. And they just felt totally different. And they feel totally different because they're coming out earlier and they're deciding games earlier. Um, like, if you want to... If you were wondering why Inkvale Ambusher is not like S-tier, like... Watchtower is S tier. Think of the difference between an ink uh, between an ambusher and a watchtower, and what you had to do to not lose the game when those came out. That's the difference between an early game uh, A tier card and an early game S tier card. Um, all right. Uh, so yeah, so it's good that Inkvale Ambusher is preemptively banned. Command of the Neptalon. I hope I, I I said this when they did the adjustments, right? Where Shaman uh, was not a problematic class, and so they didn't make any adjustments down. That was a mistake. They should have adjusted Caverns down because it's just a ridiculously stupid card, and no one has fun playing it or against it, and it's never fair. Like, yeah, I get it. You don't need to do it for uh, for class balance reasons, but you need to do it for the same reason why you adjust down Mothership, why you adjust down Gangplank. It is not good for the game of Arena. I don't care if the class is doing fine, right? And you don't need to hurt it. Like, raise the offering rate of some, like, worse cards, but, like, not Caverns-level cards, right? Like, to compensate. Uh, same with Command of the Neptalon. It's going to hit the Arena. I don't know how many people are going to super complain about it, but I bet it'll be a decent amount because it's going to be a ridiculous card. Um, but it won't get the amount of hate that something like Inkville Ambusher is going to get. It won't get the amount of hate a neutral card is going to get. Uh, they still should nerf it, even if Shaman is not doing too well. They should nerf the offering rates. Uh, if if not, just totally ban it. Like I don't see when caverns will be like a, a okay play. If I just can't win if they play it on four, like I don't know that that card just to me right it's an S tier card. It just doesn't seem like it should be in the arena at all. But if you're gonna have it be in the arena, at least make it the equivalent of a legendary class card, right? Where they put it out and it's like who cares if it's a colossal? You're not gonna see it that often, like hard in someone's deck. <sighs> okay. Let's talk about the other rogue card that is an A-tier card. So, the other rogue card that is an A-tier card is Jackpot. This is a very different style of card than Inkvale Ambusher. 
Jackpot is two mana, it's a spell, and it says add two random spells from other classes that cost five mana or more to your hand. A lot of RNG in this one. Not a lot your opponent can do about this, unlike Inkvale Ambusher. Um, but oftentimes it won't do that much, but also oftentimes it'll do a lot. Big spells I, have gotten really good in recent years. Yeah. That's, that's really what it comes down really, to. Yeah. And they're high cost spells too. So the RNG is also super bad. Because when you like whiff on a high cost spell, it's unplayable. Like you're literally talking about stuff like Ice Tower or whatever that like 10 mana mage spell is or stuff. Like there's not that many super bad ones, but there's more than a few. They exist. And if you get one of them, it's just an unplayable card. But the other card that you get, if you hit with it, and you're likely going to hit because there's so many good high, uh, high costing spells as well. It's going to be one of those insane cards that's going to be worth the price of two cards at least. Yeah. Um, so look, you do get two shots. You get two shots with it, and that I think is one of those uh, redeeming factors. Um, it is kind of hard to like completely whiff on this. Uh, I haven't done the exact math on it, but it is kind of tough to like completely, completely whiff on it. And those big spells like yeah even if you're paying two more mana for them um the fact that you're getting one is so good like you pay two more mana for a rune you pay two more mana for i don't know like a whirlpool for example a lot of times you're Green very happy anixia sorry scale of anixia you're very sometimes you're just very happy to pay that i would say most of the time you're very happy to pay that yeah like those are all the ridiculous stuff that you can add two mana to it and you're like cool right and your other spell may not be totally worthless. Like, let's say you get, like, a sprint. It's not worthless. You're just not going to play it for a while. Um, so, yeah, Jackpot. Another really good card that is coming to Rogue. And super, super RNG. Like, it's it's also common, in case we didn't mention this. So, this is going to be in a lot of Rogue decks. And also, I don't know how they do this anymore, but back in the day, if a, a card is banned in a set the other cards within the set actually take over its offering rates rather than it being spread evenly across all the cards available in the meta. Um, so if that's the case, and Inkville Ambush is already preemptively banned, uh, Jackpot will be offered even more. Uh, it's just, uh, I mean, this is not healthy for the meta either, but not, not, not anywhere near as bad as Inkville Ambusher in terms of feel bad. Yep. Uh, all right. Um... Those are actually the only S and A tier cards on the class level. Uh, we're now moving on to the B tier cards, uh, which are good cards, better than the average card in your deck, but nothing like too too special. This is like where your like your Ram Commanders are. Ram Commanders probably like a B B plus. Um, so let's move over to Priest for the next cards. Oh, uh, great! Here is where we. I do not actually have the cards in front of me. Let me see if I can get them in. Because these were just released. These were just released earlier this afternoon. And they're like... I saw them in the video that they tweeted out. And they haven't been like put down into like words. I think... I don't know if it's Hearthstone losing popularity. Or like... The, when the Hearthstone's actual page took over doing the actual set, 
um, releases, the official site, that the normal sites that track this stuff no longer do it. And so it used to be that these things come up and they're immediately available. Now, no, not, not so much. They're on the Play Hearthstone website. Are they really? I couldn't find them on the Play Hearthstone website, if they are. I couldn't find the set at all. No cards of this set. Are you trying to show? I thought we weren't showing them. We we're just going to talk about them. Yeah, but I can't even find them. Like, I can't even find a description of these cards. Oh, no. I Just, just search them up. Like on Google. Oh, like type the name in yeah. each one? Okay. Like, oh, I, I don't understand. I'm like, you know the name. <laughs> like, if you know the name, you could just do that. Oh, they're under the Sunken City set. I see. Okay. Well, anyway, I'm just going to search each of these up uh, individually. So, the first card is... You want to do the first card? Since you What? This is the B plus card? The B plus card? This is the only B plus sure. card. Sure. Uh, it's a priest card. Let's talk about Drown. Drown is a rare shadow spell. Shadow tag is kind of important sometimes. Uh, it's a four mana shadow spell. Put an enemy minion on the bottom of your deck. So, uh, good removal card. Once again, it's like an assassinate, but better because you don't trigger the death rattle, right? There's mm. plenty of death rattles right now. Um, and whatever the minion is, it, if it was good enough for you to kind of get rid of, it is potentially good enough for you to dredge back up for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, potentially. It could just be something that you really wanted to get rid of, but you don't really want in your hand, and that's fine, right? Um, but putting it on the bottom of your deck uh, doesn't really make that big of a difference in terms of a, a negative effect for you. But there is a lot of times a pretty... Um, big upside if it is like game-winning minion and then you're able to dredge it back up for yourself so just a really solid removal here yep um four mana assassinate would be b this one's b plus pretty easy to rate um priest hard removal uh, on the on the other hand the whole problem with priest hard removals is that priests shouldn't be able to hard remove remember that whole thing remember how shadow or death works shadow or pain shadow or death the whole thing is that priest have, needs to have trouble removing certain things. No, we're, we're killing that flavor. Uh, this is the entomb situation uh, again, except this one's two mana less to show the power creep that's happening. And it puts it in the bottom of your deck, which is probably more useful. Um, okay, so that is Drown. Um, next, we're going to talk about the other priest card. This one is um, the other good priest card. This one is B-level. And it is Herald of Light. 3 mana, 3, 4 Naga. Battle Cry. If you cast a holy spell while holding this, restore 6 health to all friendly characters. Um, 6 face damage is not nothing these days. It's actually quite a lot, especially if you're playing a class like Priest. And being able to heal up the stuff on your board, that is also a nice little bonus. It synergizes with bunches of stuff depending on what's in the meta. Um, and it's otherwise a totally solid 3-drop on curve. So it's a, it's actually a very good ability. You just have to cast a Holy Spell first. Yep. I don't got much to add. Alright. Uh, let's move on to Druid. Druid has a couple of B-tier cards as well. Remember, these are just cards that are somewhat better than the average card in your deck. They're nothing super special. But we thought we'd go over them. 
First one is Herald of Nature, another Herald. It is a 3 mana 3 3 Naga battle cry. If you've created a nature spell while holding this, it, sorry, if you cast a nature spell while holding this, give your other minions plus 1 plus 2. So giving all your minions plus 1 plus 2 is really, 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 really good. Really, really, really good. A 3 mana 3 3 is not. This is not one that you're going to want to play on turn 3 unless you absolutely have to and you have no nature spells in your hand and you don't have a lot in your deck either. Otherwise, you're waiting for it and uh, it becomes more of a spell than a minion first. Yep. Um, it's just conditional, but you're definitely going to lose to this card a decent... Well, you know, assuming druids are even somewhat okay in the meta, you're going to lose to this card sometimes and you're going to really hate this card. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's going to be a rough one. Okay, and the other Druid card worth mentioning is Spirit of the Tides. Two mana, two, two, elemental, rare. Uh, it says, if you have any unspent mana at the end of your turn, gain plus one, plus two. So you're not really going to play it on turn two, unless you have nothing else to do. You're going to play it on turn three, and then not spend the mana. And then it becomes a three mana, three, four immediately, which puts it on curve. And then for every turn afterwards that you, you know, hang a mana, or even if you purposefully hang a mana, you get three more stats on this guy, which is really nice. Uh, so, and, and, and part of the stats is two health. So it survives more often, the more often you kind of like feed it. But you can only feed it once per turn, and the stats don't come immediately, they come at the end of the turn. Uh, it's an interesting card. Like, when I first saw it, I'm like, ooh, this seems potentially overpowered. But then, you know, you play it out a bit. And it's like, yeah, it's not really overpowered. It's just kind of what the power level is these days. Oh, wait. So you do understand that it's, like, if you hang, like, four mana, you're not getting, like, a four. Yeah. Eight. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can only yeah. get you can only get this once. <laughs> yeah, you can only get it. Yeah, you can only get it once. Yeah. Just wanted to make sure. Yep. Because the way you were phrasing it made it seem like that that might have been possible. But, yeah. Um, it's just flexible. Like, it's just a really flexible thing, and it helps you, um, because sometimes, I don't know, like, sometimes maybe you just do really want to play it, so, uh, but then other times you're just like, no, I want to play 3 mana 3 4. It's not a, like, it's not going to be a great card. It's not going to be a card that wins you the game. It's just one of these, like, mm -hmm. druid cards that's pretty flexible that's like, okay, it's, it's, it's fine. Um... Yeah, like this is a card that I see it. I'm like, okay, a low, like a low B is is fine with it. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's it's a B. It's a it's it's a three mana three four with upside. That you don't have to worry about like how often does your three mana three four survive a turn? Very often, most of the time. Your three mana three four probably survives you know more than seventy percent of the time. And then on the next turn, if you hang a mana, or if you choose to hang a mana, uh, even if you don't have to, mm -hmm. you get another three stats. Trading one mana for three stats at that point in the game is very good. Um, so it's uh, it's it's got a lot of uh, it's got a lot of subtle kind of upside, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. True. All right. Those are the Druid ones, and then there's a final card that we're rating a B, and this one goes down to Warrior. Um, it is Title Revenant. Remember, B is just above the average card in your deck. Nothing super special. Uh, this one is a 8 mana 5-8, but it has a battle cry that says deal 5 damage. 
gain eight armor. So that's a lot of armor. It's good for those armor synergies. Dealing five damage can go face. This is potential reach here. But after that, your your 5A body is uh, a little lackluster for like a premium eight drop. Uh, still quite good. Like this is we're just power creeping on everything these days, right? Mm -hmm. Power creeping croc significantly so. Um, we're <laughs> power creeping uh, a lot of things, and that's kind of fine because if you take pick croc. Well, first of all, this is a class card, so it should be better than whatever neutral variant is out there. Um, but if you, even if you reintroduce pick, uh, pick croc, you're just like, that's fine. You know, it's okay. It's, it's not like, I'm not like unhappy to get pick croc, but I'm not super happy about it. So yeah, title revenant is fine. And let's face it, warriors tend to need some help when it comes to, uh, good cards. So I think this should, this, eh, this should be fine. Yeah. Uh, okay, that was the last card that I had on my list that was, uh, you know, B or above. Um, anything else you wanted to talk about for uh, for from the new card sets? Or I think there's one card that's interesting, um, and I thought about it a little. You even had an asterisk next to this one. I I'm guessing... Oh, that, that means it's a legendary. Yeah, so... This <laughs> that's is, all the asterisk means i i think this really uh well this had a lot of discussion on the goat discord which i know you check very often so i'm sure you saw this discussion um it's commander olthok uh commander olthok is the warlock legendary um and it is a five mana what was it yep uh five mana seven seven battle cry your opponent's cards cost health instead of mana next turn uh and the reason i thought this was interesting it was uh the reactions kind of varied from person to person uh and it's very easy to point out its potential downsides for the uh for the user um and also upsides for the user and then downsides for the opponent and upsides for the opponent um so you scored it a c plus right mm -hmm. uh how did you you reach there um okay so the first thing that happens is however mana your opponent has the next turn doesn't matter anymore so they immediately lose all that mana right? yeah so if they're playing it on turn let's say i mean it's five mana card let's say they play it on turn seven so your opponent's turn eight next your opponent loses eight mana next turn flat out then after that they get this generally favorable conversion of uh, of life into tempo. You generally want to take it. But the more you sacrifice in life, the more each point of life is worth. So you can't, like, you can think of the situation where, well, the next turn my opponent emptied my hand, like I just played the old school Millhouse Mana House, and then I lose, right? <laughs> because my opponent just emptied their hand, and who cares if they only have five health left, right? Like, if I don't have five health of reach, they have the whole board, I have nothing on the board, you know, they've hard removed my 7-7 seven, seven anyway, so it didn't matter, blah, blah, blah. Um, but they may not have that. They may not have those combinations of cards, and they may not be able to play out all of those. And you still already got the benefit of a 5-mana 7-7, seven, seven, and you have taken away 8 of their mana to begin with. So they need to play 8 mana's worth of stuff by taking 8 health of damage just to like have this not be an actual downside on them. And then they have to climb back out of it. 
So if you can get a good amount of damage on your opponent, not even a large amount, but just like a good amount, then this card becomes like, I mean, I, I wouldn't say the, the your opponent using health instead of mana is an upside unless you get them down to real low, but it stops being that much of a downside. And you always get the upside of a five mana seven seven. So I think uh, I think it's one of those things where if you play it uh, on curve, which is when the five mana seven seven is most useful, your opponent gets the most advantage because you probably have hit them for less and they lose less mana. They only lose five or six mana the next turn. But if you play it later on when you hit them for more damage and the five mana seven seven matters less, the actual ability may be what's gating them. It's just it's an interesting card, but that's why it comes out to be a C plus. I mapped it all out, stuck them all in, um, and this is what the result comes out to be. C plus is uh, it's a tiny bit. It's basically the average card of your deck. It's a little bit below the average card in your deck, but this one swings wildly, right? Depending on what the hell's happening. So this is one. Look, I don't really care so much um, about whatever we rate it. Uh, but I thought about this, and because there was so much discussion on the Discord, I thought it was interesting. Um, so I I thought about it more myself, because during the time in which people were discussing I was like, I honestly don't know how to think about this. But I think this is just one of those cards that's actually good. Um, and I think it's just going to be actually good. And Because, look, you can focus on the, the bad side, and there is a bad side. And then you can focus on the good side, and it's just about weighing what is more likely and what is more relevant. Because even if it has the same likelihood, the relevancy of it in each of those scenarios is important. So the way I view it is this. Um, the most important thing to think about is not just the extra cards that your opponent can play, but let's start with what it 100% does, because your opponent plays extra cards quote-unquote extra cards um sometimes depending on them what always happens is you eliminate the mana that they were going to have that is always gone they have they were supposed to have five mana that's always gone they were supposed to have 10 mana that's always gone and then you instead replace it with this additional ability now once again anything that they kind of cast up to what they were supposed to be able to cast um and by cast i also mean like summon or whatever whatever right what they were able to play so you know like you playing this on uh for example 10 mana you take away or what they are able to gain back starts later than if you were to play this on like five mana for uh example um I just think, you know, thinking through all of the possibilities, this kind of has to be a pretty good card uh, for a few reasons. Like, okay, if you are losing and your opponent is way ahead, your opponent doesn't really have to do anything. But once again, like, there are very few cards in the meta in which if you're, like, losing, um, that this is... Uh, that this is going to save you. So I, I don't really consider this like that bad. If you are ahead, even slightly, I would say, even if you're just ahead slightly, 
if you play this, you lock out the game more often than you would have if you didn't play this and then they did crazy things. So I think it'll feel bad when you play this and you're slightly ahead and you were like 65, 70% chance to win. I think you raise it significantly by playing it in those instances. And then if your opponent does something crazy in one turn that they wouldn't, once again, would not have been able to do with just 10 mana, you feel bad. But I think on average, that's probably a, a an extraordinarily powerful play. And then if the game is kind of close, what are you giving up, right? It's like, okay, so let's say then they play 15 mana worth of cards. Unless they were, you know, the game was close and they were at 30 health, in which case you were a little bit further than you might have thought you were. Um, if they were at like, you know, 22 health and then they spent 15 mana, suddenly it's like even if they made it closer by doing that, they might have played into some of your hard removal, like all of this stuff. So the just thinking of all the scenarios, I'm like, wait, I think this is actually good. Because um, I know some people in the, in the Discord were like, no, this is trash. Some people were saying it's like, I think it's okay. I think it's situational. The more I think about this card, I'm like, damn, I think it's it's like good. Um, I don't I think what you're not talking about is, I mean, you brushed it over real quick in the beginning, which is what happens when you're behind, which is going to happen like, I don't know, a third of the time, a quarter of the time, mm -hmm. the latest. When you're behind, this card is unplayable. And when you have unplayable cards in your hand, you limit your ability to be a good player. So being a literal unplayable card in a quarter to a third of situations that you'll find yourself in, that hurts the card. Yeah. Like more so than if it was like a pit fighter right the problem is so well no i mean if you're behind and you just play a pit fighter i think that's about as bad i understand it's not always as bad but like it's about as bad right so no, I, I, I think the situation I, I think the situation where it's not as bad because i think as soon as you are a little bit more than a little behind it doesn't matter pit fighter versus this it's the same thing right like the pit fire doesn't help you definitely. I, I think that's i think i think that you're exaggerating that i think the pit fighter on five would really help compared to this even if you're like i don't know down to 20 health and your opponent has like a yeti on the board and you don't well i don't consider that more than just a little bit behind i would say that is like a little behind you know I think okay. that, like, in I mean, a if going into your turn five, your opponent has a full turn four minion, and you in this don't... meta, that's just a little bit behind. That's come just on, a little bit on, behind. Come on. Okay. That's just in this okay. meta. In this meta. Well, okay, well, then I think behind. if you're a little bit behind, this card is unplayable. Because once you play this card, your opponent has a very high chance of immediately eliminating almost all of your cards and or taunting up to be able to, uh, you know, blunt whatever attack it is, going down to still be around 10 health, if not above 10 health, and then just basically killing you the next turn. So, so you in your scenario, need I, in your to scenario, have I agree. a board clear. Like, you absolutely need to have a board clear that you have enough mana to play the next turn in order to do something like this. And that's just not really going to happen that often and that you have that board clear or you have that much mana. So, like, I think that's a, it's a big downside to this card. I think it's a downside, but here's... The, w the way I think about it is, um, in this meta, you really do need cards that lock up a win. Um, and, mm -hmm. and I saw, like, somebody compared it to a Lotheb. 
I think Lotheb is a very mm-hmm. fair comparison. Um, and in this meta, especially, I think, you need cards that lock up a win, increase your chances of winning, and really increase your chances of winning while you are ahead either by like um, a decent amount or even just a small amount, and then adding on that extra percentage, like a significant extra percentage chance to win. I think those cards are just really valuable because I think in this meta, you having cards that help you come back, there's actually quite a few of those. Cards that ensure, not ensure, but like help you lock up a victory those are actually a little bit harder to find. So that's where I see, you know, just from the, my experience in this meta, because let's face it, those the cars that you're you're kind of talking about, it's like the board clears, right? Like getting back, uh, swing, swinging it into your favor, mm-hmm. um, stuff like scales, right? Like we, we've talked yeah. about scales a lot. Those are like flipper friends. Like those are mm-hmm. actually more common yeah. than something like this. So I'm like... Yeah. But, I, but, but that works. I, the value totally is there, and the card. need is there. But that works totally against this card because those cards are so common in this meta. There's a high chance your opponent has those cards, and if your opponent has those cards, even if you're a little bit ahead, they win the game if you play this card. Whereas you were ahead, you know, a little bit ahead before you played this card, because they're going to scales, they're going to flipper. You're gonna have no board. They're gonna have a bunch of stuff on the board, and then they're still gonna have ten health, and you're not gonna be able to kill off that ten health. And they've just locked up the board. And so you, once again, need that board clear, need that whatever. And this card just didn't help, right? Like, you would have just rather to be a pit fighter. Um, now, of course, you wouldn't know that they had a scales in their hand or, like, whatever, right? But you're just running a very large risk in this meta. Because, like you said, there are so many of those cards. So many. Uh, I mean, so, yeah. If we're talking about, like... Because you're talking about the turn 5 thing. Right, and I not necessarily turn five. I mean, like kind of like almost any turn in which your opponent still has cards. So it depends on how good their card draw capability is. Like if they have shit card draw capability, then by like turn nine or ten, if, you don't really. Care if we're talking about turn, no, no, no. if we're talking play. about turn ten, then it way sways it. Because I, I, if we're talking about turn five, I'm gonna agree with most of the scenarios that you pitch here on turn five. I think playing turn five is like bad, like real bad. Um because it's the the not just like oh what would they have been able to spend mana on it's like they can't play an eight mana card and now they can right that Mm -hmm. like binary yes or no right right like them being able to ramp and then have the additional option to play other stuff that's extraordinarily powerful i think most of the time the a high percentage of time playing it on turn 10 and then them getting what 15 mana or 15 life worth of stuff out that's mm-hmm. just really powerful. And if like 15 life just really didn't matter to them, I think that was going to be a tough game for you anyways. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But now you're talking about a card that you don't want to play until turn 10, right? You're talking about you know, Raid of Anixia card, like... Scales. Y- Yasera Scales. scales. Uh, sorry, no, I meant... Uh, sorry, I meant the other one. You, oh, meant, you meant uh, Raid Boss Anixia. Yeah, I meant Raid Boss Anixia. Okay, see, this is why I need uh, you to... Like, <laughs> this is something uh, that matters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, then you, you, if you wait to turn 10, you really need the card to be super, super, super powerful, even if it only costs 5 mana and you could do something else on the turn. And this one, like, kind of hits there, right? Like, that's why... I mean, it's an interesting card to talk about, but that's why, ultimately, the score it got is, like somewhere around the average card in your deck like it hurts when it hurts it helps when it helps it's definitely not a trash card it's also not a premium card 
Like it, it just it, it it's a well designed card for the arena. Um, so in, in the sense of like power level, I think. My take on this card, after thinking about it a lot, I don't think it is a premium card, but I don't really care so much to fight about this because it is like you rate it like a B or a B plus. B plus. Is, uh, okay. I think I'd put it at a B plus. I I think it is solid um and the only thing that i am you know like i i have put into consideration all those things right and i agree mm -hmm. you throw any scenario out there and which is like w like what if this is happening on uh five mana what if this is happening on six mana right what if this is happening mm -hmm. on seven mana yeah. so you're just so you're basically like, trying to turn yeah. this into a warlock 10 mana card or like a warlock turn 10 plus card those cards have to be super good to be good and i think the effect is actually that good but i am you know i just have to penalize it right for being exactly right. what it is um but yeah i do think it's that good like okay. you hear me talk about this effect and it's really good but no i, I mean like I, I i get it and that's why i uh i like i think appropriately yeah. knock it down like a your, few pegs. your ideal scenario outside because first of all your warlock you're probably not hitting your opponent's face that much you're probably protecting your face they probably have a lot of health but still even if they have like 25 health or you know something that's like really high for the the late game they still can't spend more than 15 mana without being scared right like if they spend 15 mana from 25 health they better be like clearing your board and putting a taunt out or like you know something um and you want to get to that situation where they have like three cards left in their hand right and then you have a little bit of the board and you're like, well, now I drop this. Now they're going to put themselves into a real hole. One, oh, sorry. They have three cards. They have two cards in their hand and they're about to draw another one. So altogether, that may not be that much mana to begin with. And they can't play that much mana. And where, you know, you're the one putting like a little bit of pressure on there and it makes it really hard and you've eaten up 10 of their mana. Like that's, that's the big thing. So you get to that scenario which is not an uncommon scenario like you said right that's not an uncommon scenario for a good player to find themselves in like turn 10 or above they have a few cards left not a ton but you're kind of afraid of those cards and those cards could swing the game in into your favor and uh and you need to like kind of close the game out i think it it's a little anti-warlock like i think warlocks find themselves less in that kind of scenario. no like, i, if I'm I that agree kind of scenario I, as yep. warlock i feel really good already with just my hero power you know? I think in this meta you feel less good, and this is yes. why. Like, I, this is why I look at this card, and I'm like, shit. This is something that, uh, especially good players, I think, would really like slash need. Right? Is that scenario? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that scenario. You're going into turn nine, going into turn ten. You think that you have like a 70, 75 percent chance mm -hmm. of winning, right? Mm -hmm. And it's pretty good. You play this, you bump that up to like a good yeah. ninety five plus. Um, there are very few cards that are able to do that um and i value that very highly but yes you like you you can ask me like so many scenarios uh on turn five and turn six you're rarely going to find a yes from me there like yeah i i completely agree this is this is going to be very unplayable during those turns all right uh, so that's Commander Ulthok, the uh, the Warlock Legendary that's going to come in. Uh, it's going to be an interesting card. And and this is one of those cards where the win rate of this card is going to mean literally nothing <laughs> on HS Replay. Because everyone is going to misplay this card. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah. Um, that's, 
Yeah, so that's uh, that's one more card. Anything else you want to talk about uh, in the, that's coming in that's like interesting? Nope that that is it. That is it. Okay, so I think we went over the interesting cards and cards you really want to like be watching out for uh, in your drafts to target. Um, remember, no demon hunter yet, no hunter yet, no mage yet. Those cards are coming tomorrow, which is Monday. And we've also uh, changed our upload to YouTube schedule so that the Arena Coop and LifeForge podcast get uploaded now uh, early in the day on Tuesday rather than Monday because Monday was like a little inconsistent to be able to like get everything out and we'd rather just have that consistency. So if you're, uh, if you want to get, you know, everything as soon as it comes out, we're always uploading the podcast, like either the night of or the morning after. Um, and uh, you can always be on Twitch and and you know watch the the old vods for the podcast or for the arena coop. Um, but the YouTube ones are now officially like the target time and the time that we're gonna hit from now on is gonna be Tuesday morning ish East Coast time. Uh, so yeah, I mean I'm excited about uh, the throne. I, I wrote throne of tides. Is that really what it's called? The throne of tides. Did I just miss this? That's a dumb name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Throne of the Tides. Okay, that's a little better than Throne of Tides, but that's still not a great name. All right, whatever. Um, we're 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 gonna go with it. Um, so uh, so yeah, so it's gonna be a set that comes in. It's gonna be a lot of like these mini set power levels. I remember like the last one was a Nixia's Lair, right? And the cards that came out of that was obviously Raid Boss Anixia that was totally stupidly, like, amazing. But also, Scales of Anixia, Raid Negotiator, which is better than what we had originally rated. Like, we rated an A, it's better than that, depending on the pool. Uh, Boomkin was in that one. Don't Stand in the Fire. A Spawn of Deathwing, an S-tier card. And, and there's not that many cards that come in. And a high percentage of them are, like, super good. This time, we don't really see that much of it. The Ambusher, which was an A-tier card and good, is already not in the, the meta, right? Uh, Jackpot is super RNG, and we're just going to have to live with that. I don't think they're going to do anything with it. Command of the Neptalon, hopefully we'll have their offering odds re- reduced, but that is uh, something to watch out for. And we don't see Demon Hunter Hunter and Mage yet, so maybe they have good stuff. But overall, this for a mini set, this is, this is kind of an in-check power level uh, for, for the arena. Yep. Um, I think you just have to expect some pretty overpowered stuff in this day and age. And for what they did, it was expected, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, if you expected less power than this, you <laughs> probably shouldn't have. Yep. This is where things are going. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they didn't push power levels, which was nice. Um Question from the GOAT to end this podcast. Question from the GOAT is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash grinning goat. Thank you so much for your support. And if you listen and you're not like a Twitch sub, uh, this is a good way. This is the, the only way uh, to support us financially. Uh, we are, we're, so just uh, consider it if you, uh, if you haven't, uh, just chipping in a little. Every little bit helps. We, we have a goal, and last year we... Uh, 
kind of i mean i guess we met the goal but we we did some tax stuff to amortize instead of paying it off at once but anyway our goal is basically to break even this year and next year and to, to earn enough money so that we can actually write off fully the computers that we bought last year that's it we're not we're not planning to earn any more money than that and we're we really need a, a little bit of a boost compared to last year to to get us there so we may do some uh some actual actual fundraising streams and uh and, and stuff later on which we we haven't done since the pandemic started i think once the pandemic started we're like we probably don't need more money than, than, than other people um but pandemic is ending and we have tax needs literally just trying to make zero dollars in the year uh but to, you know buy equipment and stuff for the stream so thank you guys so much uh our patrons who help a lot our twitch subs who uh, also help a lot top patrons for may and june rv night train huge shout out uh eric l uh yin reg dan f and karova as well as to brand new n4p thank you guys so much for supporting us and once again it is patreon.com slash grinning goat um question from the goat tonight i guess is what are your plans with regard to the huge huge release that nobody's talking about happening this week of diablo immortal releasing on thursday i'm gonna maybe try it out maybe you, you are all over this i really uh, don't care that as much about this you are literally I'm, I'm trying the only to get everyone to at least like try it like in good faith and like pay five bucks for the first battle pass uh and just like Look. give it a go because this game, like, yeah, it's a mobile game. Yeah, it was launched and it was very meme when it was announced because people wanted Diablo 4. And yeah, it's not Diablo 4. And I probably would like Diablo 4 better than this game. It but looks you know what? pretty similar to Diablo 3. Like, it looks very new, similar to Diablo New 3. Diablo 3. Not the Diablo yes. 3 that you played. New Diablo 3. Yes. I played a lot of, quote, new Diablo 3. So, so when it I incorporates this, almost everything yes. that Diablo 3 like innovated on and eventually brought into via updates. It incorporates almost all of that. Along with like I think a more complex like end game crafting or like upgrade system. It's like you're not just everything that is not the actual battle and like gameplay itself should be more complicated than Diablo 3. Right. Because they are building on top of Diablo 3. But the actual gameplay is going to be simpler because it's meant for mobile so you can't be too complicated right so that's my problem with it i play mm. diablo 3 i played a lot of diablo 3 and i'm sort of over diablo 3 now so when i see mm. this i'm like this is just diablo 3 with some more bells and whistles and i'm okay with that i'll i'll try it out but i don't see myself diving in uh, that much right now okay so for those of you who are maybe on the fence about it or like have forgotten that this thing is happening this thing is launching with more single player content than all of diablo 3 this is a triple a blizzard release just right off the bat even if you have you know no interest in whatever the other stuff this is just a triple a blizzard game it is available on the pc uh, it's also available on your phone, even though it takes a ridiculous amount of hard drive. It's like 16 gigs on your phone. Like when I heard that, I was like, geez, okay. Like I have it, but like a lot of people probably won't. Um, so that's number one. Like if you just want to play a nice single player game or like a co-op game and like not really interact with the wider, you know, community or public and just treat it like a, hey, what's Blizzard doing now with Diablo? This game is 
as big as Diablo 3, bigger than Diablo 3 at launch. And they're going to keep updating it every month or so because it's a persistent online world. Um, so this is going to be huge for the Diablo franchise, for the story, for the just, you know, you want to play a new Diablo game, right? I love uh, uh, D2R, and especially because D2R updated the trees. I said I would come back when D2R updated the trees. I came back. I played Hardcore Ladder. I got to level 93. I died a couple days ago. Because I was playing when I was tired, and also I popped immediately. I don't know. Even even if I was at my sharpest, I think it would have been very tough for me to be able to hit a pot in time. Uh, it was literally like in in maybe like 10, 15 milliseconds that I like went from full to zero as a barb with the best BO in any public game that I see. You know, that's um, uh, that's a shame. Yes, yeah, but. I mean, I was going to quit anyway um, tomorrow, so it's just a loss of a lot of forum gold and the and, ability to play this character later on. Right. It, if you, you know, if you come ends. back, you would have had to, you would need another rush. And then you, yeah. would, you would have to be happy. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to come back in this latter season. I'm going to come back next latter season if I play D2R again. Uh, okay. And hopefully they'll have more, you know, like uh, tweaks to the skill trees and whatever, more rune words or just something to shake it up, right? They, I mean, they're leaving themselves plenty of time. Um, but yeah, so that's one for Diablo Immortal. My second pitch for Diablo Immortal, and this is something that I think also gets really overlooked, is that this is the first MMO that Blizzard has created after WoW. And WoW was like the best MMO ever created for yeah, its time. Yeah, but this time. is an MMO. And this is an MMO. This is marketed as an MMO. If you read any descriptions of it from Blizzard, it's an MMO because they are trying to differentiate it from Diablo 4 and Diablo 3 and Diablo 2 Resurrected. Those are not MMOs. Yeah. This is an MMO. Okay, look, you can try to call... Like, I can try to call Iggy like a majestic lion... But if people look at it, okay. they know she's not a majestic But it line. is an MMO, okay? It has the PvP world v. world of an MMO. It has the raids of an MMO. It just limits anything you can do in an MMO setting to eight people. That's the only limit. What? That's a huge limit. But, but, but there's a... There's a no, MMO is not just about getting 100 people together all at once, okay? Let me ask you a question. Do you consider eight to be massive? <laughs> well eight at a time there's obviously yes. more than eight yeah do you world. consider eight at a time to be massive i do like not. your guild is going to be hundreds sure your, yes your the, the time that you can play is going to be eight at a time and you're going to be separated out of the different battles but all of those are interconnected that is the massive part of the world it's built with mmos in mind the creative team behind it the game designers behind it the vast majority of them come from the mmo space rather than strictly the Diablo space or some of the other spaces. So this is going to have the best of Diablo 3 and the best of WoW, while simplifying everything down to fit on a mobile platform. God. Because, let's face it, WoW's a little bloated. Let's face it, Diablo 3's a little bloated. Uh, the itemization is actually simpler than, uh, than in Diablo 3. It's more, it's deeper, but it's less like wide. Right, so it's it's more complicated in the parts that are interesting, and less so in the parts that are generally less interesting. Um, okay, so that's my other pitch: is if you like general MMO play, which I don't know if I do because I haven't played an MMO ever. Like I don't think I've ever played an actual MMO. Um, so we'll we'll see how much I like the MMO aspect of it. But even if I don't, I'll be playing with my wife. 
uh, and and Murps and other people who want to join our channel. Um, there's uh, there's item sharing uh, that's available for your warband, which is just people you play with often, not necessarily your uh, your guild or whatever. Um, it's all like they set up a lot of systems that clearly make it like they know what they're doing in this space. I mean, this is this is the WoW team, right? This is the 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 people who used to work on WoW and have spent the last five years creating Diablo Immortal to be an MMO experience uh, for mobile. So they they they, they know what they're doing, um, and it's going to be good to kick it off. Uh, the third point that. Um, I'm going to make in favor of uh, Diablo Immortal is that it is pretty cheap. You may have heard all the complaints about monetization. There's like some people are boycotting it. Some people are just like making noise online about it. Um, one, if you actually dig into how the monetization works, uh, it is like, yeah, if you want to do top level PVP, you probably have to spend hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. That is true in every single mobile game. Diablo is not an exception. If you want to do top-level PvP, that's it. If you do not want to do top-level PvP, which I imagine 95% plus of you listening here have no real interest in, then Diablo is a really freaking cheap game. You can do the highest-level raids, you can do whatever, and it will cost you... The base is $5 a month for the uh, for the Battle Pass. Um you get like these 80% off ridiculous discounts that if you want to actually pay for the game, those are the th packages that you should buy uh, every time you complete a certain, uh, you know, quest or whatever. And so those probably add up and you'll be paying like, I don't know, 40 bucks, maybe 60 bucks, like the normal amount of a triple A game these days, right? Uh, over the course of however long you play this game. So, and if you don't like it, it's just five bucks. Or zero bucks. I mean, it's free to play, but I would recommend paying a little because the, the first amounts in these games are always... It's like mercenaries, right? Like, the first little bit of money you put in is always hugely worth it. And then if you want to, like, buy your way to victory, it's like, I mean, do you have $100,000? If so, you may become 1% more powerful. <laughs> like, for PvE. Uh, like, why, why do that? Just, you, you hit a soft cap. And the soft cap is pretty cheap. And the other part of it is that after all these complaints... Even the PvP part, they made the not pay for win, the non-legendary crest. They made the rare crest, which you can much more easily access as a non-paid option. They made that over 1,000 times better for endgame gear than beta. Because that's what people were complaining about. That you can't get to PvP endgame gear in any reasonable fashion as a free-to-play player versus you know actually spending money on the game. So if that's even if PvP is your ultimate endgame, um, from whatever you've been reading, it is now over a thousand times more accessible. I mean, the, I think it started at like millions of dollars or something. So a hundred, you know, like a thousand times more accessible is not like you're, like you're still gonna have to drop money on it, but uh, it's it's not as ridiculous as it was before. Please, please tell me how much you got paid by Blizzard to say this. Uh, I got paid nothing by Blizzard. Holy I have no contact. I, I wasn't even invited to the beta. I'm oh just excited God. about the next Diablo game. I thought as a Diablo fan, you, a bigger Diablo fan than me, would be more excited. But I understand this is not part of the main Diablo franchise. This is an MMO, not an ARPG. Uh, these are very important differences for Diablo Immortal compared to uh, the other Diablo games. Um, but uh, but it's gonna it, it looks like it's gonna be good and they're gonna support it and this is a team that you should trust off the beginning until they prove themselves otherwise rather than the other way around. 
because it is a it's an established team. It's an established uh, team with a lot of credits to their name, and they have adjusted. They've delayed this game, by the way, by more than a year, by like almost two years, just to like tweak things further. They've like chosen not to make money, just to tweak things further to make sure that like they're hitting it like as wide of a market as possible and uh, making their product as good as possible. Like game game companies don't really do that. All right, and Blizzard is doing it because they are, they really value this particular product that they're putting out. Like the game, if you talk to anybody who was in the alpha and the beta and whatever, the game was ready two years ago. They played it. They played a lot of parts of it. They liked it. They were like, cool, is this coming out in a few months? What's happening? And Blizzard's like, eh, eh. Tweaked a bunch of stuff, you know, made it able to crossplay on PC. Those are all important things for Blizzard. And I appreciate all that. Oh my God. Okay. Well, we're, we're done. <laughs> So anyway, if you want to play Diablo Immortal, uh, feel free to, uh, once the game gets going, you know, assuming I'm still playing a couple weeks from now, which I think I will be, but maybe the game sucks so much that you, you know, won't be playing. But if I am, you can hit me up, um, you know, we can get a join, join a goat guild or, or, or something. We'll, we'll see. I this is not going to be a super competitive guild, even if it, uh, if it even happens, it's going to be kind of a, a a chill thing i will not be part of the top 0.01 percent fighting for the leaderboards or whatever or at least that's not my intention um but it'll be fun and uh that's uh that's my my 10 minute spiel about diablo immortal okay uh, great let's end this all right until next week when we will be here with throne of tides arena analysis from on the ground this is adwicta this is Merp. See you guys. Enjoying the Light Forge? For the full rundown on Hearthstone Arena draft strategy, card review, and arena gameplay, follow us on YouTube, Twitter, or twitch.tv at ADWCTA. Support the podcast by sharing us with your friends and family, or become a patron at patreon.com slash grinning goat. Thank you for tuning in, and see you next week.